do not know what price I shall have to pay for breaking what we alchemists call Silentium. The life experiences of our colleagues should warn us not to upset laymen by imposing our knowledge upon them. The book! mysterious parts in that book but the only true mystery is that our very lives are governed by dead people Three mothers, the same as there were three fates and three furies. Man has always mistakenly called them by one terrifying name. I'm afraid. I'm afraid to be left alone. My sister. Where is my sister? being watched and at times I think I actually feel a presence as if someone were in the room with me who lives in this damned house someone who is waiting but who you are being watched theater and the usher nods me in they know me here i descend down the staircase behind the movie screen that only select people know about the door at the bottom opens and i walk in the sound of movie spoilers fill the air barkeep has my drink ready and motions me to the back the rest of the crew are here already this is my type of place and these are my type of people Join me as we discuss the inner secrets of cinema. Have a seat in the spoiler room. You know, after all, I mean, we know words burn. And speaking of burning words, (laughs) how about that segue? Tonight, we are continuing our flaming fall with a movie that is all about Flames. After all, its name is Inferno. Yes, Inferno from 1980, a Dario Argento film. Uh, this one, uh, yeah, it, it was uh, got some interesting history. And tonight, to talk about Inferno with me is none other than Mr. Ian Simmons, the guy who keeps coming back for more. How are you doing, sir? Um, I'm doing great even though we're going to be talking about Inferno. <laughs> wow, this will be an interesting conversation. So everyone pull up a chair, grab your favorite drink, and uh, sit back as we talk movie spoilers and uh, see uh, who's standing at the end of this uh, 
the show. So go ahead, Ian. Give us an upside of Inferno. How? I... <laughs> <laughs> There's a woman who discovers the, the building she's living in in New York may have been uh, maybe the one of the three center points of uh, three, I guess, monuments to witchcraft. There's th there's the three mothers and they secretly rule the world through their shadowy cabal. And uh, there's mystery, there's deaths, there's a brother who is studying music in Rome who comes to New York to help out his sister. Um, there's more deaths. Uh, there's a creepy cat woman in the uh, in the music hall, and um, a lot of weird occult stuff. Some amazing Dario Argento cinematography, and a quite stunning underwater sequence that opens the film, and from the fil uh, from which the film I don't think actually recovers or um, ascends past those heights or wow. depths, as the case may be. And um, yeah, here's the thing, Mark. When I was watching this the other day even though i was in the midst of a covid stupor uh i was like i've seen this movie before i don't remember much about it i know i did a podcast about it on my own show i don't remember anything about it so i went back and listened to that conversation because i'm like did i ever like this movie i feel like because it's argento a yeah. filmmaker that i really do i have come to appreciate because i did a whole series on his work and all that stuff but no, um, turns out that my first reaction to Inferno uh, on that podcast years ago was the same one I have today, which and my co-host at the time kind of verified this like, yeah, this is just it's more of a mood piece. You're not really meant to think about the story because it doesn't really make a lick of sense. And um, yeah, it's got some cool stuff going on, I guess, but it's also kind of a slug. That's my take on Inferno. Happy to be proven wrong through this discourse. And uh, with with my lovely co-host tonight, this is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. And we are joined tonight as well by horror retrospective, Kara. She's back with us in the spoiler room. Hello, Kara. How are you? Hello. Doing all right. So we, we, we've got a taste of what Ian thinks of Inferno. What is your initial feelings on Inferno before we dive into it? No pun intended. <laughs> Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, and same as Ian mentioned, like the color usage, the reds, the blues. Um, I didn't notice the greens too much in this one, but I did like the, the small uses of it. But mm -hmm. yeah, um, I don't know if you would say emotionalism, but yeah, it's definitely an interesting, an interesting entry. It kind of reminded me to a degree of The Ninth Gate, which was also a movie about a book. Oh, yeah. Is that the Johnny Depp thing? yeah unfortunately yeah, yeah. <laughs> i didn't care for, <laughs> i didn't care for the night gate too much i like johnny depp yeah. i did yeah i i wanted to like it because of the material but it was so boring but it's just this one opened so heavily about a book it reminded me about that it yeah it, it does hit a similar beat um you know i this was my first watching for inferno and i enjoyed it but i can totally see where you're coming from ian on it uh, because for me, as if anyone has listened to our show, which if you have been a long time listener or just fresh to thank you for listening, by the way, so glad you're here. Uh, but you know, I'm a big visual guy. And so for me, I love the visuals and I love a bit of the unexpectedness that comes from this script because characters that you're introduced may not make it to the end of the movie. And I, I at least liked that. It was a surprise to see. And we will be diving into the spoilers in just a little bit. It's the spoiler room, folks. But my my high-level thing is I enjoyed it. I, I wasn't blown away, but I found I found it very interesting. I enjoyed the visuals. It is it is very if you're ever looking for a prime example of Dario Argento's visual style, it, it is it is in this film for sure. For the most part, uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff they do with the camera. There is interesting things they do with the story. The thing is, this is actually meant to be a trilogy. Uh, with Suspiria, this, and then there was a third movie, The Mother of Tears, 
which would not come out for 27 years after this one. And I, I talked to our good friend, Mr. Derek Carey. Uh, go check out his Astro Radio Z podcast. Great podcast on his Patreon. Uh, but I talked to Mr. Derek Carey, and he's like, yeah, he saw The Mother of Tears, and it suffered from a lack of budget, as well as a number of other things being 27 years removed. But if you look at this with Suspiria, you can kind of feel like it's in that same world. It's got it, it's got this very same tones in that. But this almost feels like that middle film syndrome of sorts to where you feel like you missed maybe part of this story at the beginning, the way it starts out. And as it goes along, I'm digging what's happening, but I'm like, is this all we are going to get? And it, it is all you're going to get. Um, so as far as story goes, it is, it is way thin in many respects with the story, but there is a lot of atmosphere going on in this film quite a bit I including uh, like i said uh it was very interesting this opening act caro what did you think of this opening act with this underwater scene and just basically what leads up to it Th this whole opening of this film does it does it grab you um i didn't i didn't really find it that that interesting but mm -hmm. the thing about it that annoyed me which is like totally not even really related to the scene is she almost had that little snake pin and then it slips from her and I'm like, you dummy. <laughs> there, there was a bit of that. I was like that too. I'm like, how, how did you, how, how do you not grab that? You know, it was like, I'm like, okay, I'll just roll with it. But yeah, I was, I, I was like, uh, I was with you on that as well. Uh, yeah, what about you for how this film started, at least? And you mentioned the underwater sequence, which was phenomenal for, for when it was made in 1980, actually. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, we get, you know, there's a lot of the talk of the mythology of the Mother of Tears and, you know, the the dagger and the, and the snake thing and, you know, reading the book. And, you know, this, it is a trilogy, right? But Suspiria was the first movie. But from what I understand... The mythology of the mothers didn't come into play until this movie. Mm -hmm. So when they made this, it was just like, oh, we're just going to come up with a bunch of stuff to connect Suspiria to this film, which is fine. I think it's a cool idea. But, you know, this this lady, she goes down into the basement of her the building she's living in. Uh, she discovers that there's like this whole underground submerged like ballrooms or apartment or something and she drops a key and she has to go in and get it and so she underwater and then there's then there's corpses and you know mm -hmm. i thought that was really effective because you're not expecting it like mm -hmm. she like how is there this flooded ballroom underneath here how is there a weird light coming through a door at the back of the ballroom and there's monster corpses coming out of it it's it's all very weird very argento but as the movie goes on there's plenty of weirdness but it's just a lot of people like walking through rooms and then they die. And it's like a body count movie that doesn't really have any connective tissue. At a certain point, I'm like, is this the same brunette that got killed an hour ago? Or is this <laughs> another brunette? And who's Mark's sister? And who's the random count? She's a countess. What? I don't know. Um, yeah, I just I lost track of <laughs> time and space and everything else. And like, oh, that person's dead. That was kind of a cool way to go. Um, and at the end, <clears throat> with the, you know, I, I laughed. I'm sure I laughed the first time I saw it five years ago. But the the giant skeleton monster thing, and then there's flames, and I don't know. What am I supposed to take out of this movie? I don't know. <laughs> I like the skeleton monster. Uh, it's definitely a choice. It's a choice. Yeah, it's death. Death, death dies in a house fire. What? <laughs> Well, what's very interesting about it is, uh, well, with this opening scene where we talk about with the water, part of the reason apparently Irene Miracle, who plays uh, the woman who, the, the sister who is um, in the water, apparently she had synchronized swimming skills. So that's why part of the reason she was cast is because she could hold her breath for a very long time underwater. Cause she does. I, I believed that. Yeah, it was it was it was incredible. Like, how long is she gonna be down there? Yeah, yeah. It, 
it's an impressive scene and it's shot cleanly for when it was, you know, you're looking at 1980. It's an impressive sequence. Yeah. I mean, I, I loved this. I, I was impressed by how long it went too. Cause I thought for maybe the gimmick was, Oh, the water, she reaches in, she grabs the snake pendant or whatever. And then something pops up or something kind of grabs her, but no, she goes into the water completely and i'm just i i i had a when i was young uh, i was going to be a marine biologist and i actually got my diver's license at one point my certification and when she went into like dove under to go get the pendant underwater into this room that's full of water i'm like sitting there going you need some serious wreck diving skills because that's not a good idea <laughs> No, and, and the other thing is, like, when she, I can't remember if she screams or... She, she screams underwater, yeah. She does, and I realized at that point, like, imagine all those corpses down there, like, what she's taking <laughs> into her mouth when she, like, closes her mouth again, like, particles and flesh and whatever. For, forget that, we're talking New York. This is drainage water in this thing, and we're talking New York, okay? So... <laughs> oh, we get plenty of, of New York, especially later on with the sewer rats and... The helpful hot dog vendor. I mean, that part was awesome. But I'm sure we'll get to that later. <laughs> yes. Uh, the rats and the helpful hot dog vendor. Uh, it reminds me slightly like the only other underwater sequence that I know was Shelly Winters in the Poseidon Adventure. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that was another early impressive underwater sequence, you know, and. When you consider that they're filming this with actual film cameras in water, <laughs> watertight, it's impressive. You think about the back, you know, just not what's in front of the camera, but the technical stuff, excuse me, behind it to pull this film off um, is impressive for the type of film that it is, really, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so, yeah, so we get the sister who ends up... Uh, Spoiler, not making it, but not before she sends off her letter to her brother, which is what I found interesting is, and this is where it kind of feels like you're missing part of the story. And and Kara, I, I was wondering if you felt this way too, because after she, she rescues herself out of the water from the corpses um, and pardon my maleness, okay, but wet shirt she then suddenly seemed to develop another layer of clothing at some point because <laughs> her clothing wasn't as uh see-through but she's in the lobby and all of a sudden she overhears these people going oh she's snooping around and we better make sure to take care of it but this is like within the 10 first 10 minutes of the movie car did you feel like you missed like a whole section of the film it it just felt like how does this tie into the story or where are we going what's going on but I have to remember, or maybe it's just me, like I've observed a lot with Italian film, like they don't really make sense right off. They just kind of throw stuff at you. And it, this one doesn't really have like that fever dream effect, but I'm still, I'm still thrown off. Like what in the world is going on? I don't have a fever dream, but I, I feel like I've had maybe too much Robitussin. <laughs> well, yeah, because you get the weird thing to where she overhears I guess it's the landlord and and the 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 woman who's run, the manager, the female manager of this this apartment complex, which was one of the houses for the uh, mother of tears. We learn uh, at one point, our the sister goes and hides from them, and also you hear all this clanging, and also we just cut randomly to the basement where all these wood boards are falling down, and you're like. Wait, wait, did I miss something? <laughs> it's like, did, wait, where did this come from? <laughs> yeah. It, the frustrating thing is like they, it does feel like a Suspiria sequel mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. down to like the giant building, the, you know, the brunette kind of in trouble, all the, the weird, the crazy, you know, color gels. And throughout the movie, you do keep seeing these, these framed, portraits or illustrations of the architecture right and i kept i was thinking 
if they were to redo this or because I know they there was a remake of Suspiria a few years ago, yes, which I yeah. loved. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't tell anyone. I like <laughs> that version more than I like the original Argento version. Um, but if they were to do a remake of Inferno, I think it would have been cool to see some of the, those architectural drawings to refer back to the ballet school like in yeah. new york mm -hmm. to show the three different buildings that are potentially out there because it would link to the first film it would show you what's going on now and also say hey there's this other mysterious german building that we might get to see in a future film uh, but i just feel like there was a like wasted opportunity and then when all these weird supernatural phenomena would happen like wait there's all of a sudden this this monster with like long witch fingers doing stuff and stalking okay. people. And there's a person with like the black leather gloves and like, make up your mind. Are you a giallo? Are you a horror supernatural horror film? What's going on here? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh apparently though you know maybe part of the reason why this comes off the way it does is because uh they it, dario didn't actually direct a lot of this film apparently he he suffered uh uh some uh severe case of hepatitis through production and so uh, apparently mario uh, mario uh mario bava actually did a lot of the directing and handling behind the scenes uncredited for it <laughs> I, I know I did a lot of the uh, the effects stuff or, mm -hmm. or helped out a lot there, um, which makes sense. I mean, because some of the like some of the deaths in this movie are just fucking brutal. They are very, very, <laughs> very Baba esque. Um, but yeah, it's just I don't know. I do understand what you're saying, Car, because I've been watching a lot of these Italian films, Jolly and and uh, you know just Italian horror the last you know probably half decade or so. But and you have to kind of put yourself in that frame of mind that it's not supposed to make sense. But then that really comes up against my instinct as a you know highfalutin film critic that I want movies to make sense and I want to believe <laughs> that the people who made this are telling a story that makes sense on some level. And sometimes it's just not the case, and my head explodes. And you know I have no one to blame it myself. Well, you probably would have loved Delamorte Delamore. Then that one is super confusing, but it's it's very high fantasy. Does it? Well, here's a question: Does it make sense? Is it one? Is it super confusing when you watch it and you go back and you watch it and you're like, oh, this I can put these pieces together, or is it just one of those things that's deliberately kind of you know vague? It's not like super confusing, but stuff just comes out of nowhere, like. Um you know, flying decapitated heads that can still talk and they're dating, you know, some other guy. <laughs> and she lives in a television tube. Oh my God, this like, sounds amazing. Yeah, it sounds like, like <laughs> David Lynch meets Dario Argento or something. I got to watch this. <laughs> See, and, and that's for me, maybe that's the appeal that I had with Inferno is, what's funny is I knew very little going into it. I, I know. You can slap my hand or whatever. Going into Inferno, I picked it, one, because of the title, two, Dario and Gento, three, a <laughs> film I hadn't seen before. And when I watched it, I didn't look up anything else. And maybe this is telling of the film. Uh, I was like, wow, this feels a lot like a continuation of Suspiria without knowing that it was intended to be part of a trilogy. So in that respect, I think they succeed in the fact that they are presenting a second film within this world that Suspiria was in as well. Um, you know, it does. And maybe that's because it does hit a lot of the similar beats. You've got the, you know, the, the woman in distress, the brunette, although uh, unlike <laughs> Suspiria, uh, she don't make it. Okay. Uh, and, and a lot of characters who, and that's what I think I found the appeal of it was you get this character and you start to develop them. You're like, Oh, cool. Now I can get behind this person. And then no. you're just like, <laughs> it's like game of Thrones. It's like, don't start liking the character. Don't, don't start liking the character. Cause they're going to, they're going to die. We, we get another female character later on. Who's helping the brother, uh, it, was it her or was it? No, no. Was it her? Or was it? No, it was the sister. That's right. So the sister, the first death was, was, was great. I enjoyed the death of the sister. I know this sounds awful, but it's interesting because she goes running up the stairs into the attic area of the apartment complex. 
And she ends up, there's this glass, <laughs> this, this yeah. sheet of glass frame that's almost like a guillotine. And there's just this whole setup and sequence. And, <sighs> you know, once you see it once, you're like, oh, I know where this is going. Uh, <laughs> and and it's actually some brilliant editing because right after we see what happens, she doesn't get her head like clean cut like you would expect. The bad guy with his gloves, we just see the black gloves, which apparently all the shots of the black gloves for the kills are actually Dario Argento's hands. Um, he pulls down on it after he pulls uh, her head into the, the window frame, he pulls down on it and cuts into her throat, but it doesn't cut all the way through. So he raises it back up and brings it down again. And I love that. And, and I love this smash cut because we go right from that to the brother showing up at the apartment complex where his sister is. And he comes in and he sees the landlady pounding meat. And it's just the way it's edited. You're like, Oh, did they eat her? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is there implied cannibalism in here? I, I think it was just a, a fun, fun visual cut. gag. Yeah, but but no, you're you're right. That that the whole like glass pane guillotine thing hurts because yeah, it's not it's not clean, and you see that you just imagine the pain that she was going through, the the terror, and also the pain of you know because. <laughs> like actual guillotines back in the day that's the thing it's like after a while they didn't yeah cut clean off they'd have to raise it again and just go until the thing came off and oh what a horrible way to go um <laughs> but yeah it's a lot of the deaths in this movie are very creative and kind of extreme but they're few and far between and they're not held together by any kind of like story that really makes sense and that was that was my biggest frustration i was like waiting for some either more mythology or more characters to interact with each other instead of like, as you mentioned, Mark character shows up, we're with them for five minutes. And at the end of that five minutes, they're dead. Well, it, you know, I think a lot of what I enjoyed into this film was in the editing, not just that one gimmick where we cut to where they're pounding meat and suddenly they kind of implied like, well, maybe the meat they're wrapping up is the sister, but Later on, and maybe this is a sign of the times, but Kara, if you're if you're fearing for your life, I have to ask for your perspective. I hope you don't mind, but uh, you're, you're a woman who lives alone in an apartment complex. You fear for your life. Are you just going to ask a strange guy to, hey, could you keep company with me in my apartment because I feel like I'm going to be killed? Or do you like go to the public coffee house down the road? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that seemed really weird. And I mean, the fact that she has like um, help that's in the apartment with her, it's like, why can't why can't he keep her company? Like, why isn't he good enough? Yeah, the the, the apartment butler. Some yeah. stranger. Well, everybody works in this building is kind of skeevy looking anyway. So um, but hey, if she had that was like hmm? her subtle way of flirting. I don't know. <laughs> well, if she hadn't if she hadn't asked that guy for help. We wouldn't have got that amazing exchange, which, you know, talk about 2023. She says, <laughs> and this is a flub because she refers to them as the three sisters and not the three mothers. She says, have you ever heard of the three sisters? And the guy says, you mean those black singers? Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Yes. My, my jaw kind of dropped it. I made a note. I literally made a note of that, that, Yeah. Oh, you mean those, those three black singers? And I'm just like, okay, 1980, 1980, 1980. I can name someone right off the top of my head, but it's probably not. It, it should probably remain silent anyway. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just it's it, just that was his reaction. Well, let's not forget either that uh, they drop um, earlier. They make a statement about women with the guy who runs the antique store who sold the book of the three mothers to her in that he said women are the worst readers or the best readers of that type of stuff, <laughs> implying that 
Oh, yeah, you know, they get hysterical all the time over these type of books, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm like, wow. Just wow. It was it was something in the translation. It just uh, it, it was know. it was something in the translation, maybe. Uh that could be but it was just odd. But where I was going with this, long story short, too late, is with the editing, is she invites the strange guy to keep her company in the apartment. She talks to her brother on the phone. Yeah, I got some strange guy to keep some anyway. Uh <laughs> <laughs> they do a cut to the black gloved hands and the knife. And the way it's pieced together, it implies, I think, just for the moment, that maybe the stranger was a killer. <laughs> the, the way it pieces together, it, it kind of threw me for a loop at first. I'm like, wait, is he putting on black gloves while in the living room while she goes, you know, to the kitchen? I'm like, I like the way that was edited because it left a little bit of mystery with the stranger she just invited to her apartment yeah and there's some you know fun misdirection you know all all throughout this movie because you're wondering okay who's killing who because everybody's dying eventually there's the only person left is gonna be the killer and that almost is what happens i mean mark makes it out alive yay hooray for marks <laughs> yes did you notice <laughs> do, uh, the, the thing i loved about the dubbing in this movie is whoever dubbed marks because i guess mark is supposed to be an american yeah um but whoever they got to do his voiceover i don't know if it was the actor himself but it sounded like the actor william atherton mm. he played mm -hmm. uh heck from yeah. ghostbusters and he, he sounded exactly like him it was very strange it was very it was very strange well what's interesting uh that you mention it now is how's this for casting james woods was supposed to be cast as mark Get this to play his sister. Nancy Allen was supposed to play Rose Elliott. Yeah, right. When James Woods was in talk to play the role of uh, uh, Mark, he, and he turned it down only because of prior commitments. Nancy Allen was going to be his sister. See, here's the thing: that's a missed opportunity because that would have instantly made this movie a classic. Changed nothing else about it, but. <laughs> Just... James Woods and Nancy Allen in a Dario Argento movie. <laughs> right? Right? I mean, that's like printing your own money right there. <laughs> Especially with them being brother and sister. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. But, you know, uh, we also have this theme of cats running through it uh, again. Uh, and threes, too, because there's three cats in the alley in the beginning. There's cats that show up later in this wonderful sequence. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, you know what sequence I'm talking about when I think it's the old guy gets attacked and it's like they're throwing cats <laughs> at him. But here I got to give them credit because. It looks like they're throwing actual cats at him, not like shitty dummy cats, or right. at least not all of yeah. them. And they do have enough effective close-ups of like cats with their claws coming yeah. out and, and close-ups <laughs> of their teeth. It's cheesy, but it's also disturbing because I'm like, I feel like that guy was actually getting attacked on set. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's what's going to happen. In this scene, you, you see all these cats over here? We're going to throw them at you, okay? <laughs> <laughs> what action <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like wait what was that <laughs> <laughs> well they they do a creative cut though i was impressed i don't I, I would like to think he didn't actually hurt a cat but when the old guy is like he warns the 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 woman and, and uh the guy who are at the house who are folks that are you know, they've got deals with death or whatnot, got the supernatural angle with them. Um, uh, you kind of have to watch it, I think, again for it to really be clear. But um, they're the ones that have all the hokey stuff happening at the uh, apartment complex and the cats. He, he warns them that, hey, uh, you know, I'm going to start taking care of the cats if you can't control them. And he grabs this one cat and he takes him over to the bag that he's putting together of this bag of cats, which he already has assembled. And his cat's, you know, moving around. 
and he thwomps the thing on like some and I was like I hope that was a puppet because he thwacks that sucker. Well, and later on, there's a scene where we see a cat like eating a mouse. Yeah, like, like actually back to yeah. it a couple of times. I'm like, I don't know if that's a puppet. <laughs> that wasn't a puppet. No, I think that was a cat actually eating a mouse. Well, I know it was but... an actual cat, but like I didn't know if it was like a fake mouse or oh. something, but it looked really convincing. What, what, what did you think of of what happens to uh, our our guy who wants to kill the cats, Kara? This is a rather long sequence. <laughs> I don't know. Not everybody's a cat person, but I don't know. Must have been fed up with them. Just, I mean, it's not like a dog. It's not going to sneak into your yard and leave a present. <laughs> That's true. But this whole sequence where he goes to drown the cats. And then there's rats and then the creepy butler who serves the two folks running the uh, apartment complex, uh, the, the witches, uh, if you will, and the warlock. Um, he comes by and, and, and kills this guy. <laughs> and then you have the hot dog guy <laughs> come over because this old guy who ran the antique store who wanted to drown the cats he uh, has braces on his legs. He walks around with crutches and he ends up falling over or whatever because of uh, the butler. And then the rats come after him. And then the hot dog guy who you think is going to help him. He doesn't help him, does he, folks? <laughs> no. And I like to think that it's not because he was, you know, part of some, you know, evil spell or something. He was just a New Yorker. You know. <laughs> this old man screaming, help me, help me. They're eating me alive. And the guy just comes over and you see the giant cleaver come down and just like not now he's he doesn't have to call his sausage guy for the next month. He's got his links all ready to go. Well, no, he fed up, though, to the rats, though. He rolls his body over to the tunnel where there's even more rats so they could eat him. Well, they cut away. I'm sure he, he was just, you know, tenderizing. They, they, they were ten, yeah, they were tenderizing him for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you think of this whole sequence with with the rats and and our antique guy? Do you feel sorry for him, even though he was going to kill the cats, or are you just kind of like, yeah, eat them, rats? Eat them. <laughs> I mean, that's enjoyable, but it's kind of like, how could you not expect something to to happen, especially right. If you kind of like the character's not very likable to begin with, so I can see it as believable. But then when it happens, it's like, well, I wasn't surprised, but I still don't like you any any more than I did before. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he the guy drowned in the 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 cats are just like, you know what? That the rats eating you that that's kind of fitting. That's it's kind of fitting, and there's a lot of rats. I mean, I know it's New York. That's a lot of rats. <laughs> Yeah, there's like a hundred of them. Uh, There's pouring out of this sewer pipe. I don't know. Much like a lot of the sequences in this movie, I feel like it went on way too long. Mm -hmm. So, like, my enjoyment of seeing this dirt bag get eaten by rats, it was kind of like, and he's still getting eaten by rats. And he's still screaming for help. And fortunately, the hot dog guy comes over and you get that nice little surprise. But, like, before that, I was like, are we wrapping this thing up? Is this guy dead yet or not? So, so do you think the hot dog guy was in on the coven or whatever it is group that, uh, or do you think he just, like you said, is a New Yorker wanted the guy to shut up. And he's like, okay, here. I, it's weird because I, I kind of think about back to like the devil's advocate. Right. Um, where like Jeffrey Jones is running in the park and he thinks he's being pursued by demons and it turns out he dies of a heart attack or something. Right. I kind of yeah. feel like that same thing here. Like the hot dog guy was just swept up in the the mania of like, okay, this is just the that old bookseller guy. He's part of this whole like coven thing where he's mm-hmm. adjacent to it, but now it's just his time to go. And the hot dog guy was the the vehicle to do it. I don't know if he was evil or just possessed, but Nothing makes sense in this movie, so I don't know. <laughs> Kurt, what do you th- what do you think of the motivation behind our our hot dog guy and his dispatching of ye old antique dealer? 
I don't know. It just kind of seems to come out of nowhere. My first thought would have been same thing. Like, okay, that's more hot dog meat. Yeah. That didn't work out. And then it's kind of like, okay, well, do they have like this, this secret war between themselves between books are better than hot dogs or. (laughs) (laughs) The great, the great book hot dog war of 1980. I think you got something there, Cara. You should write that script. I think that that would make, that'd make a fun. Write movie. it on, write it on butcher paper. There you write go. it on butcher paper. <laughs> yeah, I that, need a wax pencil. <laughs> you you almost feel like you're missing a section of this film uh, with the hot dog guy, and there's a few other scenes too. Almost like it was it was cut up, maybe a little too much. I'm not sure, or maybe they weren't able to shoot. What they're supposed to again, it is Italian cinema, and a lot of a, a number of Italian horrors kind of have, if you both have mentioned, have a bit of a reputation of not always making a lot of sense, at least for most of the film. And then you get to the end and you're like, oh, and you do kind of get that here, but kind of not. He still leaves it open to interpretation. I mean, the brother he realizes his sister's dead, the countess that he meets. She ends up dead. You see a theme going here, actually. Uh, <laughs> you meet creepy old guy in a wheelchair and uh, his caretaker and a creepy butler. And then they're talking about the mother of tears and how each one of them represent death. And <laughs> that's when the skeleton guy showed up, which, again, some creative editing. You got to admit, there's because they have... Uh, I think it's the woman, I forgot who offhand, is coming towards the mirror or the window. And also with the mirror shatters, the big death guy standing right there. And, and I, I loved that to go after Mark, um, who, you know, he's a music guy. So you don't have a whole lot of deductive reasoning here. And maybe that's what's missing for it for some people is the mystery sleuthing part because there's not a whole lot of that in this film but it feels like it it's trying to but it's not well what i guess what is this movie about mark <laughs> it's about the uh creepy folks who run this apartment that uh, the one sister got her nose too deep into things to discover that there's this ancient group of uh, witches that uh, have this house that have been living for a long time and and, and doing uh, dark magic type stuff. And so she ends up dying and the brother comes to investigate her murder and he gets caught up in all of it as well. Well, I mean, it, it's not too far-fetched from Suspiria because, I mean, that's like an evil ballet school and it has all these witch-run stuff in the background. But what makes the apartment building so special other than there's like this really cool stuff in the basement? Well, because it was built for one of the Mother of Tears. That's one of the three locations. Uh... Right. I don't know. I guess To Kara's point, I guess I just felt more like there was something going on in you know with the ballet school right like i feel like there's this giant new york apartment building and six people live there (laughs) four of them four of them are evil you know (laughs) it's Uh, like uh, the sentinel tried to rip off psycho and became an italian film perfect that's that that's it right there (laughs) man um but yeah and and like at the very end like the (laughs) building burns down i mean she was a witch that she couldn't have put out those fires uh and well fire and witches don't get along very well so i know but she can cast spells it's not like i mean there was ample opportunity for something to happen and the building didn't like why didn't she escape i don't know it just felt like very abrupt and it didn't feel feel like there was any kind of victory. Mark just kind of he escaped. Lived. Yeah, I guess there's a victory there. Uh, no, because he escaped, and the witch 
or death death okay death stands there and again death stands there and is burned alive until it's dead <laughs> i guess maybe how does this relate to Suspiria? how does it relate to whatever is going on in germany i think this would have worked better as a trilogy if they had come out, if there had been like one vision for a single storyline, we've seen this in, in movies like the Matrix trilogy. Very simple story. Movie does incredibly well. So they have to like, oh, we're going to make two movies and create this entire mythology that barely holds together. And then they come out with the fourth one a decade later. With this one, you've got Suspiria and then you've got this other movie that's kind of like Suspiria, but it makes even less sense. And there's a hint of a third movie coming. But none of it really holds together as to what they want or how they're controlling the world because that's part of the mythology. I don't know. It just uh, it just felt very flimsy to me. <laughs> it it is not as as far as the narrative goes. It definitely is not as solid as um, Suspiria. But I I enjoyed a lot of it. Was what's happening. I want to see the third film. Too bad it took 27 years to end because I wanted to see where it was all going. Because, again, yeah, you're right. There is a lot of stuff that happens. You're trying to figure out why do you care, uh, trying to make the heads or tails of it. Uh, the death skeletal creature who, again, I love the instant cut to where she's coming up to it and all of a sudden the glass shatters and it's instantly tall death skeleton guy. I was like, I thought that was a wonderful edit. Um, but you're wondering exactly where does Mark go from here? Where's the story go? What happens here with the apartment? There is a lot of dangling participles at the end of this film. Uh, and then I can see where you're, you're going to the end going, okay, what happens next? Oh, credits. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the next logical step. <laughs> okay. You know, he, he talks about how he lived, but. They were already dead in the building or whatnot. Um, and then you get to credits and then you're just like, okay, <laughs> what's the next one coming out? Yeah, I mean, I think maybe this is a budget constraint or whatever, but we keep getting either through establishing shots or pictures of those architectural drawings. We see how giant this apartment building is supposed to be. It's wonderful. And again, I love it. Yeah. Right. But again, six people live there. Like it would much like the ballet school. If he'd shown like students, you see students in Suspiria, you get a sense of life that people live in this place and there's something sinister going on, you know, behind the closed doors. This is just like, like a creepy abandoned old apartment building, which I guess is fine, but they keep talking about, no, this is an actual like working apartment, but it's, you never see anybody there. It's a working apartment. You get, you see very sparse people there. Yeah. I get what you're saying on that. Um, you know, I mean, it actually was surprising when the Countess showed up. She's like, oh, there is someone else in the building. <laughs> you know, and she's got a butler who's a creepy butler who's actually working for the witch, which, you know, we find out later. Um, lovely, lovely eyes gouged out and hanging on the cheeks scene. I that love it. Great. I loved that. That was that was great. Yeah. <laughs> There's some great deaths in here, some great visuals and everything, but. For the narrative, it is it is sparse. It it really is sparse, and maybe that is part of the a, a budget constraint. Part of it maybe was because Dario Argento was sick for most of the shoot, um, to where they had to keep it because most of the interiors of the apartment complex were actually built on an Italian soundstage. So those those were like sets they built for this. Um, well, that, that I mean, that's I think one of the most interesting parts of it is, you know, Mark, when he goes down into the basement, you know, his kind of mirroring his sister's descent into madness. Right. You realize just how like the further down you go, the more luxurious this place becomes <laughs> like there's that whole underground like facility that the the professor guy had that, the, you know, we haven't really talked about him, the old guy in the wheelchair who gets choked on his own like the cord that controls his voice box i love like, that. that was, that was that. tense yeah i love that the guy show mark does the investigation folks he's deep diving deeper inferno diving deeper into hell 
if you will, if you're looking for some metaphor or representation or whatever. He goes deeper into this apartment complex to hell and he finds the old guy. Old guy is the architect who built the houses for the three mothers. And he talks through a voice box. Um, and he's got this cord around his neck. It's talking to the voice box. And Mark, has he's a musicologist okay so he's into music he has no business investigating things because you've got creepy guy in the basement who's obviously up to nefarious things and he goes come closer i need to tell you something and he's like okay so he goes (laughs) up and of course the old guy's got a syringe of some shit that he's like poison or something that he's going to inject him and mark at least was smart enough to knock him over yeah that he's choking by his own voice box cord as Mark does a a snake movie bit to where he sucks the poison out of the wound <laughs> because old guy couldn't insert it all the way. But then he saves the old guy. He he actually takes the cord. I'm like, I want to let the dude choke. The dude's all like, I've built this for these witches and they're going to live for, you know, and he's just like, oh, that's great. Oh, darn, you're choking to death. I'm just, I'm going to go, okay? You're busy. I'm just. <laughs> but he rescues him for Because Mark's the hero. He's the good guy. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Um, but no, I, I, I just, I thought the ending was, was interesting. And it's visually interesting. Um, there's a wonderful scene when. The countess is looking up information and she finds the book of the three mothers uh, when she's in this wonderful library. Oh, my God. I love the library scene. Library was great. It almost looked built for the movie, but but I, I couldn't tell. But I love the library scene, how she asked for the three mothers and the guy's like, oh, the book should be right behind you. And I'm like, well, that's convenient. <laughs> <laughs> But she descends in the, down in an inferno as well into a, a, I don't know, Kara, what was the guy with all the burning cauldrons, which aren't recommended when you have books around, by the way? No. Uh, who was he? <laughs> do, do we get any establishing anything of who the creepy guy was in the basement of the library? Um, as far as I remember, I think that's the only time we see him, but he sees the book and he freaks out and he's like, give me that. Right. And the, the girl's just kind of trying to get out of there. Doesn't he also have the, like those crazy, like creepy fingers, like the yeah. long fingers. Yeah. Isn't that yeah, the, like, the guy that does the guillotine glass thing? It, yeah. I no, it might so. be the same guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It could be the same guy. So it could be the actual killer for the apartment. I didn't catch that at first. Could that also be our hot dog vendor? Oh. Should have been anyway. <laughs> they didn't, we didn't get a hit shot of his hand, so we, we're not quite sure. Just, you know. Handless hot dog. Yeah. <laughs> there there you go. They was boiling the boiling the sausages in the cauldrons before he took him to the little little truck. Well, because yeah, because she goes down to the basement of this library and there's these cauldrons. And folks, I am not kidding when I say you should not have such books close to such an open flame because every one of these cauldrons, it's not like there's a fire underneath. These things are on fire. I mean, fl- oh, yeah, the flames are licking the sides. Of the- it's beautiful. I, that the whole set piece is is really cool. It is the coolest basement to any library, but also the most dangerous because you have all the books around. And yeah, this guy freaks out when he sees she's got the three mothers books and starts holding her head towards melted wax or something, porridge. I don't know. Porridge. Huh? (laughs) His lunch? I'm not sure. But uh, it's a creepy scene. It's a creepy set piece, like a lot of things in this film. You get a lot of very cool, creepy set pieces. Connective tissue, connecting them together is is very loose <laughs> very i mean i i love the visuals in that in yes. that scene it, it kind of reminded me of that that witch from um snow white she mm-hmm. kind of has like that whole cauldron thing going on too 
Yeah. Well, apparently there is some inspiration here because of the brother and sister connection of Hansel and Gretel to the Grim Fairy Tale, which you can kind of see as well. Um, and yeah, I loved this basement with the creepy guy. And I loved how she got away from him too. How <laughs> how her shirt got caught and it nearly got ripped. Oh yeah. And then uh oh yeah, that was the sister. That wasn't the countess. That was still the sister. No, that was the countess. That's right. That was the countess. Um I figure out how he yeah. make this <laughs> hard to keep track because they were very similar. So yeah. I was I'm trying to figure out. No, I actually no, I think it was the it's hard to say. I forgot now. I I, I apologize, folks. I forgot if in it was... a in a weird way. I when they first show the countess, I thought that was Daria Argenta because they have very similar facial features. <laughs> oh wow, that would be. That would well, be that was that was uh, that was Daria Nicolotti. Um, so very mm -hmm. very similar names anyway. Um, I figure out oh. how you save this movie, Mark. Hmm. Um, not just by casting James Woods and Nancy Allen. You remake it. And you cast Gemma Arterton and Jeremy Renner as brother and sister. Going, uh, they're they're the Hansel and Gretel <laughs> oh witch hunters. Hansel goes to visit uh, Gretel's <laughs> new New York apartment, where some weird stuff's been going on. Did you did you have to bring? <laughs> I watched the hell out of that movie. <laughs> wow. Okay. Hansel and Gretel Inferno. There you go. Hansel and Gretel Inferno. No okay. John Travolta. No, no John Travolta. No, no, we don't. Mm. Should uh -oh. be some John Travolta in there. Yeah, it should be Travolta <laughs> and Nick Cage. While we're at it, let's just throw Nick Cage in there as well. There you go. Nick Nick Cage could be the old antique guy running the <laughs> running the shop. He could totally make that work. I can see it. He's the he's the bookseller who gets eaten by the rats. Yes. So he can like have a have the, the, the bee Cage resurgence face. from yeah. you know, no, like you know, do a reprise of what he did with the bees in the wicker man, except this time he had rats, the rats, the rats, <laughs> the rats. <laughs> John Travolta runs over with the meat cleaver and finishes him off. There you oh, go. Oh well, there you go. There you go. Yeah, that would that, <clears throat> that would work. Okay, that's going to eat at me now. I might have to watch a film again, uh, which, again, I enjoyed the visuals. If Because the sister already had a book, so I was trying to figure out who how, who died how. Because I'm like sitting here going, wait, because she ripped her shirt, and then... Oh, that's right. She ripped her shirt, and then the butler was in the elevator with her for the shirt ripped. I think, or was it the old? Was it the stranger? No, the butler was in the study with the candlestick. Oh, that's right. Sorry, sorry. Uh, I've got I've got my <laughs> details mixed up. I apologize. It, it is late, but um, yeah. Uh, you know, I enjoyed this film quite a bit, even though the narrative isn't always solid. I enjoy the visuals and, and the the wackiness of everything. And the fact that even before I knew it, I felt it was a, a companion piece to Suspiria. I think it at least it accomplishes it that there is that it's keeping that same kind of atmosphere. Um, but, you know, I understand how some would have liked a more solid narrative. Uh, your final thought, would that sum it up for you, Ian? Yeah, I mean, I think the best way to approach this would probably be to look up someone who might have done like a long like a long video essay about inferno mm -hmm. where they're gonna like talk about what they love about the film but mostly just show all the really good scenes and leave out the rest of it so then you can get the feel for the visuals and and some of the cool deaths um and not have to worry about like god they're still walking aren't they yeah okay <laughs> Uh, well, we we even we we failed to mention the mysterious woman with the cat that that bugs Mark. Let's not forget that she just appears in class during music class. Uh, you know, oh. which with the wonderful cat, her cat was very an impressive cat who was like a character in of himself. Um, you know, and it was the randomness of her as well <laughs> showing up that you're just like. What? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, she looked very familiar. I want to say she's been in another Argento film. 
I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't know. I'm not versed enough in Argento, but she did look familiar. She absolutely looked familiar, and I was like, Does, is, "Are we supposed to know her?" Because it felt like you know a significance. Again, you feel like you're missing part of the film in this. In, in that, uh, uh, there's more to this somewhere <laughs> that ended up. <laughs> Secretly one of the mothers and waiting for Mark to show up and come rescue her from the apartment. Right. It, I mean, it, it could be that, you know, it, it's, it's hard to say um, where, where that, you know, that connection with her is, but it's definitely a film that uh, I, I think I need to watch again. Cause again, some of the details are blending together because of the visual styles in that, and the locations. Um, so and yeah okay so there i had that wrong so <laughs> i i had some details wrong tonight and i apologize everyone um but overall i i enjoyed the film car what's your final thought with inferno i i really enjoyed it and i think it's the the colors that ties it together to mm -hmm. to suspiria but i i really enjoyed the color usage as you mentioned the atmosphere was great the story um, it's kind of everywhere, but if you're just willing to watch the movie for what it is, it's enjoyable. Like, don't don't really expect it to make too much sense. Just watch it for what it is. Um, I'd say it's worth watching it, especially if you're an Argento fan. It's You get all those visuals that you really want to see. And it also kind of left me wondering, is Stanley Kubrick's The Shining supposed to be a hack from Argento because you have all these really bright reds? <laughs> <laughs> well they were that was the same year i think 19 weren't they both 1980 I, the shining I in this movie i do believe so or the next uh um the shining was was 1980 as well Ooh. so uh yeah <laughs> it's interesting it'd be interesting uh wow now i'm trying to connect the shining with these films and put them all within the same world there you go <laughs> it's a weird universe a weird this yeah. weird universe uh uh for sure and for me yeah i enjoyed inferno i enjoyed it more than i thought i would was I thinking a lot of the story when I watched it? No, <laughs> I will fully admit I wasn't. I was too busy enjoying the visuals and the editing and a lot of the other things going on in this film. I was I was entertained and kept me interested in where it was going. I, I will say that the, the, the story itself left was a bit lacking and felt me wanting more felt like I was seeing something that had been cut up quite a bit. <laughs> You know, like there there was more here in either budget or time or, uh, you know, something got cut out that, that pieced it together. So maybe my imagination was filling in the gaps uh, of it. Um, but I, I thoroughly enjoy it. But I could definitely see where uh, folks and Ian, where you're coming from with it. Um, so it is it is definitely a piece going to be made for our gentle fans <laughs> if you're looking for, you know, you didn't see this one you should put it on your list because yeah the the style and what argento is known for is all over this movie um even if the story isn't all there visual style if you love that that approach yeah this is <laughs> it's got it all over the blue and reds in the same scene uh you know just uh, the, the surrealism uh gloved killers hey you you've got it all in this film cats um, and crazy hot dog men. Cat, yes. and cats too you got cats being thrown at people and underwater sequences and corpses and there's all kinds of stuff happening in this film uh whether or not uh you can decide whether or not it makes sense for you uh well that's up up to the viewer uh so <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed this uh, interesting rambling about inferno uh if i did get details wrong about it I, again i apologize um but yeah i think it's an interesting film but it's going to be for select tastes for sure 
and yeah, so that puts a capper on this discussion. We are in flaming fall month. Uh, so we are looking at films that are titled uh, with Inferno in the title. <laughs> so we got a couple of interesting ones coming up. But before we get there, a couple of interesting things going on right now. License to shill for my co-hosts here tonight who have been so kind to come on our show. So, Kara, ladies first, uh, what do you've got to shill? License to shill is yours. Um. I actually have a film discussion this Saturday with Lady Sasha. We're going to be talking about cobwebs. So that would be at our usual time, the two central, three Eastern. Very cool. Very cool. And that's on your channel, the horror retrospective. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Same as my brain name. <laughs> Same as your username. Absolutely. And Ian, uh, you're licensed to shield search. Well, I'm Ian Simmons. I run Kicking the Seat, which you can find at kickseat.com, as well as right here on YouTube. Um, just look up Kicking the Seat on YouTube and you'll find me there. Um, do uh, interviews and reviews and all sorts of fun stuff, live streams. Um, been a little bit slow this week or last week because of COVID, but uh, I'm I'm on my way back and got some fun stuff coming up. So yeah, come hang out. And I'm also here on Mondays talking about inferno movies apparently <laughs> at least this one. Uh, yes. well like the it's great because the first two movies of this month i'd seen the next two i haven't seen i'm really looking forward to next week's because it's one of those ones that i've always meant to watch and i never did as an eli roth fan this is a pretty big gap in my knowledge Ooh, that's gonna be interesting and we're gonna have uh the diva of the spoiler room back as well for green inferno and uh cara as well i believe uh you mentioned that you wanted to be on green inferno so we're gonna have a full panel next sweet week. uh that should definitely be an interesting discussion <laughs> some of the those folks who have part of our patreon which if you haven't joined it you should reasonable tiers for really cheap prices um uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh i've i've discussed a number of times uh my experience my theatrical experience watching the green inferno and uh, you'll be able to hear it all uh, next week. So stay tuned for that folks, please like subscribe and all that here, Ian and Kara's stuff. And if you're at all interested, you can like and subscribe my stuff at specialmarkproductions.com. And with that folks, uh, we are going to end it. Yes. Next week is the green inferno. So stay tuned for that. And until next time, we'll just say a good night, everyone. Good, good night. night. Hey everyone, looking for more Spoiler Room goodness? Then head on over to patreon.com slash specialmarkproductions where you can get access to even more wonderful podcast content. Hear the conversation that happens before the live broadcast. You can also get access to an exclusive VIP episode that you vote on that's especially for you or get early access to all our videos on YouTube plus more. So check it out there, folks. And the more you do there, the more we can do here. And remember, with the Spoiler Room, the conversation is fresh, uh, but we do spoil the movies.